Paul, this is our first mini-sode. Something new that we're going to try and throw out there for our lovely listeners from time to time here on The Modern White Man, the podcast where we discuss how to be a modern white man who is anti-racist, anti-sexist, and understands his role in creating equity. And Minisode, first off, love the name. You heard this somewhere, right, Paul? This is not yeah. our creativity coming to shine here. No, again, as white men, we can. it's tempting to take credit. But actually, this came, I heard it first from the podcast, My Favorite Murder. Have oh, you heard of that podcast? No. There are a lot of murder podcasts. Right yeah. There. This one has a huge following, and my, my partner loves it, and my sister-in-law does too. And so that's where I first heard it. But um, it's a great it's a great one. They, they Lots of really funny banter. And, and it's a really strange title, My Favorite Murder. You yeah. Know? So at first, right. you're like, wait, you can have a favorite terrible you know murder of a human being yeah. so that it's almost, a little bit off-putting at first but that that almost speaks to humanity if we want to get real deep here yeah right right the it, things that like really pique our interest yeah yeah <laughs> that's yeah well, well anyway, anyway we're yeah. taking it yeah and and taking it but giving credit here here this is a great example of how we're trying to have these minisodes that are you know shorter and you and i just go on tangents and here we yeah, are already not we're gonna ta- be, it's no. not going to be our minisodes no. are going to be like 45 <laughs> minutes no but as we announced in our coming in 2022 episode we're going to start introducing some interviews this year which paul and i were both really excited about that and we're setting up the process and it's still probably a few months out before we start releasing those just lining everything up and so we're really looking forward to that but until then, we wanted to keep dropping some content to keep up momentum on our ever ongoing identity work. Because as we've said, we have to keep at it. It never stops. And to revisit it is really helpful. So we're going to drop these mini-sodes. And I'm really excited about that. So let's see. We're talkers. We're going to try to keep in 10 to 15 minutes. Let's see how that goes. <laughs> we'll see. No promises here. Yeah, yeah. So with that time constraint in mind, let's dive into it. Today's mini-sode topic is the idea of being either an oppressor or a victim in the context of the American story. So this idea resurfaced for me in an opinion piece that I read recently regarding the Minnesota transfer curriculum, which establishes uniform goals to assure a smooth transfer of credits among the state's public colleges. So if you go to a public college in Mankato, Minnesota, you want to transfer to the U of M, it's kind of that uniform goals to assure that that's a smooth process. And one of the specific goals is human diversity. And in the fall of 2021, they updated the language to build knowledge and understanding of historical and contemporary phenomena related to the ongoing legacy of structural racism and other forms of intersectional oppression in the United States. Students will be able to explain structural racism as a primary source of historical and ongoing oppression of people of color and how the dominant group changes the definition of race to maintain power in the United States. So that's a lot, but it really is a lot of what you and I have talked about, Paul, how it is this ongoing structural racism that has caused a lot of ongoing oppression for people of color and how the dominant group changes that definition of race, so how it's more subtle these days. And why this topic really jumped out to me is, in this opinion piece, it was a gentleman who was against this goal of having human diversity in public universities, and there's a line that really jumped out to me that he stated in this opinion piece. So he said, The focus is on two highly politicized truths. And he put truths in quotations to... I'm assuming be sarcastic. Mm -hmm. One, 
The heart of the American story is conflict between oppressors and victims. And two, the color of one's skin determines one's status as an oppressor or victim. Okay, so those are the two things that really jumped out to me. Because it's this either-or thinking, specifically using the language of oppressor and victim. It's something that I've seen quite a bit, and mostly it's in the education setting. So at school board meetings, for example, it's a lot of these white parents are saying like, hey, you're trying to tell our kids that they're oppressors, and you're trying to tell them that they have oppressed others, and the only reason that they're getting ahead is because of this ability to oppress. And so for me, it's really in the same vein of the terms woke and critical race theory, which I've talked about in past episodes, where it's used as a defense mechanism to denounce equity efforts and prevent participation or engagement without really doing a healthy analysis of what that really means. But the ability to explain structural racism, as this goal states, as a primary source of historical and ongoing oppression of people of color, does not in fact aim to label students, or anyone for that matter, as either an oppressor or a victim. Because neither label is helpful, first off. We're not trying to tell people like, hey, you're an oppressor, you have been forever, you will be always. We're not trying to tell others that they've been victims. It's not a helpful label for anyone. The goal is not, in fact, to make white students feel really bad about themselves. It's about trudging through status three and four, denial and defensiveness, guilt and shame that you and I have talked a lot about and that we are continuing to trudge through all the time to have a clearer picture of our history and society to in fact feel better about ourselves. So it will create more meaningful relationships with black, indigenous, and people of color. It's imperative for our future leaders to have a clear picture of this aspect of our history if we want a more equitable society, which as we talked about, is better for everybody. It's better for white people as well. So it's just something that I've seen a lot about and I wanted to bring to this mini-sode in case our listeners hear or read or think about the idea of, man, equity efforts, it's really just trying to tell me that I'm an oppressor. If you hear somebody tell others like, all of these goals are trying to make white people feel bad about themselves, make them feel like oppressors, when in fact it really doesn't. There's nothing about the language that claims that and it's just one of those buzzwords that I've seen more and more of people clinging on to and I just wanted to bring up. Yeah, it's a really great point. And as you said, it, that either or thinking is, as we talked about, a characteristic of white supremacy. And you see how how that, you know, is the dominant narrative within these conversations. And that just helps perpetuate white supremacy, right? It's yeah. just like when you take a step back, you're like, wow, this is a really cleverly designed in a very nefarious way system of how all of these characteristics and norms of, of white supremacy culture just so subtly in almost unconsciously upholds itself right through all these different mechanisms and you know i think that also just that idea of how important language is and how damaging buzzwords can be you know it's it's just so easy to throw these buzzwords out like you're an oppressor you're trying to tell me i'm an oppressor so i'm going to shut down and because i'm not going to open up to the idea because of that one thought then there's not going to be any personal growth for that individual there's not going to be any movement an organization or society because it's just those buzzwords are so impactful and if people feel like they're going to be told they're an oppressor or their kids are going to be told they're an oppressor it's just automatically shutting down and so just trying to think about when you hear those things like maybe try to engage in a conversation around that or to think deeper about that and try not to be bamboozled by the ideas that creep into our minds about 
either or mentality and not being more open. Yeah, and I'll say one, you know, one more thing too. I kind of just made this connection in my mind. You talked about how, you know, with critical race theory and bringing in some of this this DEI lens in the education system, and how, yeah, lots of white folks. It's almost like it's almost more the parents than the students that are saying this. Of like, you're making my kids feel bad, and that's the goal here. So for for you know, I know a lot of our listeners are are probably not kids. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Maybe yeah. there's some kids out there. There's great, but we're all probably working in, in institutions and and you know post. George Floyd's murder, probably a lot of our institutions have now really ramped up DEI strategy and brought in, you know, workshops. And so it can be very tempting for a lot of us to say, for white folks, especially white men, bringing in these people for workshops, like their goal is to make me feel bad or feel bad about myself and to demonize white people. So for, for those of us who are maybe sitting in some of these trainings and seeing some of the strategy, it can feel like, you know, our well-being is being compromised or, or they're coming for us, right? Which is very, very deeply ingrained, right, from the beginning of slavery, of this deep, deep fear that black folks are going to gain their freedom and then take revenge, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So so it's really, you know, this is centuries old feeling that's kind of can come up in us. Mm-hmm. So all the defense mechanisms can go full force but it's our responsibility to understand that all of this is benefiting us yeah right and a lot of times we we are the ones who make ourselves to be victims or make ourselves to feel bad about ourselves like you said it's there's nothing explicitly saying you are a terrible person right but we interpret these things yeah. and so we have to take responsibility and say is this actually just me telling myself that yeah. and through identity work right I, yep. i've learned over time to have a stronger foundation for my identity, I'm able to to navigate that a lot better yeah. of, you know, I'm not a terrible person and even noticing that before it, it really shuts me down. Yeah. And to not let us be fooled by the zero sum game where mm. if we help others, we're going down. Like there's a finite right. idea that, yeah, we're talking about systemic racism. That must mean we're trying to help them. And that's at my detriment. Right. Right. Yeah. right. You know, I think we did pretty well for our first mini-sode. This was yeah. shorter. I was afraid we were just going to ramble on. Was that 45 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> we held it to no? 40 minutes. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Just something to think about. And check out our website, www.themodernwhiteman.com. Sign up for our newsletter. So until next time, let's keep learning, stay humble, and do the work.